The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and uh, welcome to Global Business uh, with Mahesh Yoshi. Uh, In our last episode, we discussed the role of emerging markets in global business, how important they are for global economy. As you all know, India is the fastest growing emerging economy. Today, we'll discuss the emergence of India as a global economic power. We have with us Avtar Manga from India joining us to provide insights into the rise of India. Mr. Monga is the Chief Operating Officer of IDFC Bank in India. And uh, prior to that, he has uh, immense amount of uh, working experience in leadership roles in global business environment with uh, companies like Bank of America and General Electric. He's also been part of uh, India's growth story. Welcome, Avtar. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mahesh. So, before we start, I would like to share a few facts about India with our listeners. So, India is a country with 1.3 billion people. It has a GDP of 2 trillion in current prices. But if you convert that into the GDP at purchasing power parity, it is the third largest economy in the world. The main components of GDP for India are services, 61%, industry, 23%, and agriculture, 16%. The unemployment rate of India is 4.9%. And another amazing fact which is emerging is the mobile internet penetration in India is a whopping 300 million, which is more than the population of many countries. It is the fastest growing economy today with a current rate of 7.5%. Actually, now it is even higher than China. Avtar, India seems to be a fascinating growth story. Tell us what's happening in India. So I think, uh, Mahesh, as you know, India has uh, a couple of uh, solid strengths in the given uh, current environment. First, let me talk a little bit about some of the historic perspective. Uh, the ancient time, India was actually considered to be one of the largest global economies. And then there was a period when, you know, the India was starting to shrink. So if I was to look back and go into the times when, say, British kind of made an entry into the India, at the starting time, India was almost like 50% of the global economy. And then it has been shrinking. But actually, the tide turned right from the time 1990 when the India started to liberalize and, and started on a journey to really grow. So since then, the growth progression has been pretty steady. Uh, the country economy has been growing in the, in the form of GDP in the range of 6 to 8%. And, uh, you know, in the recent years, we've seen, uh, you know, extensive work being done by the dumps in India to really make it the economic power in the next 20, 30 years. So all of this coming together is also supported by a couple of other facts. Uh, if you look at the uh, age expectancy and if you look at the uh, number of people who are in the age group, which is the working uh, class, we have the largest population of youngsters across the globe. With that, we also have the ability to skill them 
to actually produce significant of, uh, output. And that becomes part of the consumption pattern which will be emerging from within the country. At the same time, because we spoke about the number of people we have in the country, at the same time it becomes an economy which can actually be producing for the globe. So there is a fair amount of work which is being done across different sectors, which is going to ultimately result in India gaining traction. And in fact, as we speak, it is becoming evident that we are on a terrific track and, and as our Prime Minister says, it's, it's, it's a journey which has started and it's going to continue for a few years, but it's not far that uh, we'll be able to see us as one of the uh, fastest growing economies, as well as uh, becoming uh, kind of a regional uh, super uh, you know, strong economy to provide the uh, support of the global economy. So if we were to look at uh, you know, some of the specific initiatives which are being driven, uh, you spoke about uh, one of them in a partial sense because, you know, you spoke about the mobile. But let me first touch upon the, you know, the basic impression about India that the infrastructure is not up to the global standard. So the government is actually driving a good amount of energy in that space. Let me first talk about railways. I, I don't know how many people know that India has the third largest railway network in the world. And we have more than 12,000 trains which carry about 20 million passengers every day. Wow. And there are 7,400 additional freight trains, which actually carry 3 million tons of freight every day. And this actually accounts for about 15% of public transport and about 30% of freight uh, in the country. And railway system itself actually employs more than 1.4 million people. And quite frankly, if you go by the workforce, this becomes probably the largest or the fourth, fifth largest employer in the world. So that's the one area which is getting a lot of traction. There's work being done to modernize uh, high-speed tracks and all of those things will be done. Uh, there's a fair amount of work in electronification of the, you know, all the paper which kind of gets used there. Uh, then there is enough work happening on creating the road infrastructure. Uh, we were earlier building only a couple of kilometers a day of a road in the Indian economy. But today, with the last two, three years of progression, it is almost hitting 10 times of per day construction of road. So there is a plan to modernize the existing road network as well as develop additional interstate highways. And the total investment which has been earmarked between you know, for a five-year period in this sector is almost like $33 billion. So that's, that's one significant thing. And then there's a fair amount of work happening on the ports and the coastal uh, areas. And, and, and guess what? We have a you know, very solid nature uh, you know, working for us. Uh, we have a bunch of rivers which actually flow from Himalayas. So there's also a discussion and work happening on figuring out how to use these waterways for the commercial activity and there, mm -hmm. there is a lot of work happening in that area, and there is a potential investment which is being talked about, which is also about $5 billion over the next couple of years. And then there are identified 100-plus waterways which are being worked upon. And then obviously there is a one big ticket which is attached to the housing of uh, you know, uh, India. With mm -hmm. the increase in uh, population, there's also a plan to create by 2022 uh, a, a house for every Indian across the country. So there is, you know, you, you will understand, you know, the fundamental issue is that we have to create an expansion of the entire network. Yeah, that's so a big infrastructure project. Of, sorry? That's a big infrastructure building project, which is a good news. Yeah, so, so, so what's happening is government has taken a view that they'll grant more than about $1,500 per household on an average, and, and it will also service the rehabilitation program for people who are today living in the slums. And they're also making uh, you know, the uh, loan available to the uh, poor sector at a sort of a discounted price by providing some subsidy. So the idea is to have uh, every person in this country, whether the person belongs to the lower income group or the weaker section of the society, and they've created an affordable housing program under which everybody by 2022 will have a house where they can live peacefully with their family. So it's a very significant development. All this actually creates a lot of activity and also creates domestic employment. 
So while all all of this is being done, there is going to be humongous amount of effort and employment being created. So this is what is happening in the infrastructure. Now, if you go about the manufacturing, which is typically labeled as Make in India, there are two parts. One is Make in India for India and Make in India for the globe. So when you talk about Make in India, there are multiple sectors which have been identified as opportunity and there are specific target plans, agenda, and teams. Uh, for example, there's work happening in 10 very high-level sectors. There's aerospace sector, there's automobile, there's chemical, food processing, construction equipment. IT, as you know, is a, already a big sector, but now IT is also getting added with electronics. And then there is pharma and textiles. So all of these sectors have been you know, identified, and government is working on making effort in multiple areas. For example, there's a lot of effort on making the ease of doing business far better. There's also effort to invest in this sector by actually inviting the foreign direct investment. There's also specific approval processes and other policies that have been created to make sure that the environment is very conducive to all of this taking place in a structured sense. The other thing is that there is also a very significant effort to actually create new cities, and then it's also not new, it's also actually enhancing the uh, existing cities. So there is an effort around the modern cities, there's, there's urban development which is taking place. So India has identified to actually create a big number of cities, what are called smart cities. Basically, the idea is to rejuvenate and modernize by putting enough emphasis and infrastructure. And, and it will basically mean that there will be adequate water supply for everybody. There will be absolutely assured electricity. There's going to be sanitation, waste management, digitization, public transport, you know, safety for everybody, particularly women and children, and there's health and education. And on top of that, we're also looking at, you, you must have heard Mr. Modi talk about, you know, the clean India. So there is absolute effort so we, we, we all already see enough working handy in the planning space where all of these cities will become modern cities and they'll be called smart cities. So there is, you know, money being uh, put aside uh, to the tune of uh, $15 billion. And, and uh, in the next three, four years, all of this work is, is actually taking shape. And then there are, you know, other areas like, you know, the power sector. Already there's significant improvement in the last two, three years in terms of the power generation and the capacity and also transmission. But, but there is clear plan to actually make India by putting investment in the sector, which is going to be almost to the tune of $45 billion, to ensure that India has power for all. And, and they have the ability to provide power to all households, industry, commercial, and agriculture, you know, areas of India. And, and there is... Uh, a kind of thing called Uday, which is the full form is Ujjwal Discount uh, Assurance Yojana, which is actually approved by the government in a form of scheme sense, and that is focused on improving the efficiencies of all the discounts and actually reducing the wastage, also increasing the capacity for generation. So there's, there's this effort which is going on, and I think one of the big, uh, big, big effort happening is in the digital space. Yeah, I think... Uh we will definitely be uh, discussing much more in detail uh, avatar about digital uh, you know um, uh, we are we will be heading into a short break but before that well, thank you for giving such a nice explanation it looks like we have been looking at what what has happened in the past in india people know what's happening but with what you explained what's happening the growth rates are definitely bound to be improving further. There seems to be some more good news coming in. We'll keep discussing it. Uh, we'll take a short break and uh, we'll be back shortly.
Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have with us Mr. Tarmonga discussing uh, the rise of India as an economic power. We had very interesting discussion in first segment. We'll continue from there. Uh, <clears throat> Tar, you mentioned about digital economy. India is also known as the back office of the world. Probably I would put the word in past. Has India created a competitive advantage by taking lead in creating knowledge-based industry? And... Uh, it is definitely a very important part of digital economy. Yep. What do you think about India taking a quantum leap in digital era and lead the growth of digital economy? Well, thank you. This is, this is actually uh, one of the most uh, important change which has been seen in the recent time. Let me first explain what Digital India Initiative means. India is trying to build the capabilities which cuts across infrastructure, manufacturing, services, and skill set delivery platform. The intent is to actually become a self-reliant knowledge economy. There are multiple areas which are being looked at, whether they are in communications, information technology, rural development, human resource development, family, health, welfare, all of that. So broadly, there are three key areas. One is to create infrastructure in digital sense, which actually services every citizen. The second is to create the governance and services on demand. And the third is to empower the people of India to use digital to get the advantage of the new era technology. This starts with the idea of connecting every part of India with thousands of villages, you know, in the remotest part of the India with the digital broadband connectivity. It also refers to the idea that we need to create access to the public, you know, network through the digital uh, connectivity. There is also focus on creating governance around making sure that whatever is the government, you know, trying to do is available through the e-governance route. So the government has a program to set up internet access programs through the common service centers across the country. And uh, there are about, you know, uh, 250,000 of these which is being planned, and, and it's going to improve from the 135,000 as we speak today. Uh, the number of villages which is going to get connected in the form of internet connectivity is going to be 250,000. And this is going to require almost a $5 billion investment. India has already been investing in the fiber optic network. And, and through all these networks, they're going to take the government to the last person in this country. There is also focus on making sure that uh, by the end of 2020, India is almost a net you know, zero import in terms of export minus import when it comes to electronics. So that's the focus on making sure that happens. 
and then all this is happening, as you mentioned, that India is already a back office to you know many many uh, countries. But the intent is to really create half a million jobs in rural India by actually putting them through the training program. And technology and connectivity plays a very significant role in terms of training these resources, which are not in the large cities, but actually are spread all over the country. So that's that's what is happening. Uh, there's a plan to connect a large part of India through the Wi-Fi network with the secured email propositions. There's also effort on making sure that the government infrastructure, right from the availing to redressal to uh, you know knowledge enhancement and sharing, is all available through the uh, electronic routes. So that is a broad uh, you know thing of you know what is being called digital India. And obviously, if you talk about what's happening in the country, I think India has taken a, a very interesting uh, leapfrog approach when it comes to delivering the financial uh, in, and other services. So I'm sure you've heard the things you know, around what's called the JAM. The JAM actually stands for three things. The JAM done is the, uh, you know, Pradhan Mantri Jandan Yojana, which is the J. Right. Uh, a stands for what is called Aadhaar, which is nothing but a unique identification program which covers almost a billion people as we speak. And then the mobile is what you spoke earlier. And there are, uh, you know, absolutely large, and as we speak, will be probably about 900 million mobile phone users, and, and, and of which about 41%, which is close to about 350 million people, are actually in the rural India. So, so the idea is that we should be able to use the unique identifier combined with the uh, mobility which is available in almost every Indian hand and then create infrastructure which allows the people to transact and get authenticated. So, so let me give you an example. I mean, India has already leapfrogged in the way the money gets transferred. So, so the entire public you know, subsidy which was being earlier sent through the banking channel took months to reach the last mile. Today uh-huh. actually can be transmitted using the Aadhaar-based uh, authentication and identification technology at fraction of a second. And, and, and government has already saved quantum amount of money, you know, in, in one of the programs where they were actually giving the subsidy on cooking gas. That uh-huh. alone has been put on this program, and you'll be surprised that India in the last one year has almost saved 170 billion rupees just by cutting the wastage. So that's the power of this whole program, and, and this program is planned to be extended to all the government subsidy, which is the direct benefit transfer linked to education, linked to scholarship, linked to the uh, you know, old age pension funds, all of that. So wherever government is spending money and actually sending subsidy to any part of India over a period of time, the next couple of years, it's going to all flow through this. The basic advantage, money goes to the right person, there's no leakage. Its speed is phenomenal, and this infrastructure is going to be then taken to the next level where you will be able to identify yourself through the registered information with the authorities in India, and you don't have to keep providing copies of every document for every transaction you can do in India. So I think this is a huge step and probably ahead of uh, many other countries because India had a huge advantage of, of leapfrogging, and that's what we see. And I see this happening now in the building of technology in terms of IP, because there's effort around making India almost an innovation hub. There is a fair amount of work happening in the startup space, and then, and I clearly see that there are emerging technologies which will come out of this country. That's fantastic. It looks like India was on a growth path and uh, with the policy intervention by straight through lot of initiatives, not only the startup India, make in India, it is going to further accelerate the economic growth of the country. Yes, and, uh, and, and uh, one of the simplest ways to explain this is that if you were to do a funds transfer in the past, you have to go to a bank, fill a form, or write a check, stand on the queue, and do 15 other steps, and the money will reach the other end probably in a week's time. Today, using your mobile phone, you can just authenticate by putting your finger. It reads it, authenticates you through the biometrics. You can transfer funds sitting in any part of the country, and the money reaches the other end in less than three seconds. That's the power. And to make sure that the security is perfect, 
there is a second you know authentication which is in the form of otp which is used so effectively you got enough control you still have the ability to move money in and out and try now the next level of initiative in this space is you know traditionally we've been having systems where you can transfer money to somebody but you can't ask for money from somebody aha uh-huh. so i think the most recent uh, you know initiative taken by what is called the national payment corporation of india which is a body set up by the uh, central bank here they are actually now making the services available centrally whereby i can actually send you a message and and ask you for money and moment you say yes i am willing to pay that central body will be able to actually transact on our behalf which is that they will take money from your bank account which is also registered with them and push it to my bank account which is also registered so effectively you actually taken out the entire process of writing the instruction note and doing things i can actually send money to you even if i had just your mobile number registered with them so that's the next stage which is not far in fact the whole process is already live in a pilot sense and next two months it will be available for public and then that will be uh, probably the first in that area to to kind of uh, make it totally seamless in terms of transferring funds to anybody anytime anywhere oh that's amazing i think that's what you call the leapfrogging which you mentioned earlier yeah this program is called uh, upi and and it's it's led by the uh, government of india amazing amazing it it it's it's clear it's it's appearing that uh, as the whole global economy has moved from industrial era into digital era era india has uh, developed a comparative advantage for themselves uh and an opportunity to leapfrog with the knowledge based industry supporting the digital economy and uh looks like with the initiatives you talked about there is a lot of focus to leverage it to the full and be a major participant of global economy in future which is driven by the digital economy since we are all living in a digital era now no absolutely and and i i would add another uh, you know since we're talking about uh, what's what's emerging so here's another area which i i i, I want to just mention that uh, if you if you think about india you know in another way so so we have had the highest penetration of mobile in terms of growth percentage uh, we have enormous work happening in providing the last mile connectivity we have uh, the digital highways being built but behind all this is also another fact that that india also has the you know strongest uh, young workforce which is emerging so if you were to think about you know people who were born say 20 years ago when this whole thing was coming together uh, you know people who were traditional you know people who did not actually have exposure to the digital way of working in a living life every day they had to learn and then there is you know a period when people who had learned initially because they were there they are now transitioning from from sort of a traditional to a transitional sort of a phase and then the understanding is that whoever is getting you know into the age group of say 0 to 10 years now they will be born digitally so i think there's a huge shift in the way india works today compared to what it was 10 years ago and compared to what it will be 10 years from now so so the future of india is going to be digital all the way in terms of how you interact and and work with the government infrastructure and the other systems people are completely going to be born in the digital era because everything is going to be in place in next couple of years so that's going to create huge productivity as an overall you know gain for the country and our age you know in terms of the population age is in our favor so so for next many years the the combined advantage both from the you know the skill the uh population uh, age group and and the digitization of what is happening in india plus the infra creates an overall powerhouse which will be for us to leverage that's amazing i'm said that's some growth uh that's a lot of activity uh, avtar thank you so much this has been a fascinating discussion we will continue uh we'll take a short break and uh we'll start a discussion shortly again thanks
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and we are having a very interesting discussion with Mr. Avtar Monga from India, and we are discussing the rise of India as an economic power. We talked a lot about digital power uh, in the digital economy, which India is creating for itself. A uh, lot of changes have happened since past. A lot are expected to be happening in future. <clears throat> Quickly, I want to share with our audience uh, that... Uh, India has a long economic history, and it began uh, 3500 BC when Indus Valley Civilization came into existence. And that civilization developed the economy which depended significantly on trade. And um, as they moved forward, they created a lot of tools of growth and making the economy work. They dealt in weapons, the copper, bronze, tin, and metals, gold, etc. And uh, India minted punched mark coins as far as 600 BC. It was a rich and prosperous country till the 17th century. It was the largest economy. The economic fortunes dwindled after that. And uh, by 1700, when the British Empire was expanding, the economy of India accounted for one-fourth of global production as compared to the United Kingdom's 11. But by the mid-1900s, India was down to less than 2% of the global growth and wealth. Uh, How things change? A quick one, 47 independence to India till up to 1980. Growth rate at constant price was close to 3.1. It improved till 1980 or so. Another 10 years, let's say 5.5% till 1990. They have been borrowing from 1980 to 90. What it did was it precipitated a balance of payment crisis. And that triggered in early 1990s, an economic liberalization. The result, since that economy has progressed immensely, and GDP has been progressing at the rate of more than 6%. The GDP, when the 
liberalization of economy began in early 90s was close to 267 billion. It's grown 10 times since then. It's almost 2 trillion now. The GDP growth rate at the time of beginning of liberalization was minus 1.4, which is now 7.5 highest in 2015, even higher than China. Poverty, population below poverty line was 45%. It's gone to 22%. Massive improvement. Foreign exchange reserves were 9.2 billion, 355 billion now. Exports from almost 20 million, 20 billion to 360 billion. Imports at the time of liberalization, 18 billion now, 262. All are signs of an economy on the growth path. Another added advantage, the literacy rate improved from 52 to 74%, directly feeding into the knowledge economy, directly feeding into the digital economy. That's the competitive advantage India is creating. Avtar, I wanted to share something um, with you, which uh, our friend Mr. Henry Kissinger once said, or rather I would refer to his latest book, which he published in December last year. It was more in the context of geopolitical situation. He said, in any scenario, India will be a crucial element for future order in this century because of its resources, geography, leadership, and ideology. Do you think India will also be converting the same into an economic leadership with what's happening in India today? No, I I think we we, we spoke about, uh, you know, all the indicators, whether it's around the productive workforce, the uh, demographic dividend which India has. And then if you look at the work which the government is doing to make it easy, I, I would also say that uh, one of the other significant, uh, you know, thing which has been very, very witnessed by everybody is the level of effort and, and the relationship development which has been taking place across the globe. And, and there has been a very, very marked, you know, visible connect with the global economies at across levels, whether it's the political, economic or otherwise. And, and I think uh, the environment is, is becoming very, very positive in terms of how many countries would want to partner, you know, in variety of sectors with India. And, and as I spoke earlier, there are 10 sectors which are actually identified as the key sectors for partnerships, you know, and, and, and there are umpteen numbers of, you know, companies and countries which already have been coming down here and, and the people from here in the form of missions and other things traveling to other countries. And then there is absolutely clear, you know, uh, you know, direction from the government. So I do believe that, you know, all of this put together, you know, whether the environment in India in terms of ease of doing business, the changes which are being brought to the policies to make it, you know, flexible and, you know, less cumbersome, the, the environment within India to create less paperwork and make it more productive, the focus in FDI to bring in foreign direct investment so that the global players can also participate and actually build their capacity and capability to manufacture across those 10, 12 sectors in the Indian market. And that basically means that India, by the way, has another big thing. You know, people who look at India also need to see India as a market. Because don't forget, we're talking about a large population which has huge consumption demand. So if you look at that itself, that's a huge market opportunity. So all of these companies, when they look at India, they don't look at India as a, relatively speaking, a cheaper you know, manufacturing capability, but also look at a huge consumption market. So all of these factors to me are a strong enough indicator for us to believe that the environment is conducive, the policies are getting more favorable by the day, uh, government is very proactive in reaching out and inviting multiple large corporates to actually set up manufacturing base, and there are enough examples. You know, if you look at the automotive industry, there are very large number of foreign companies, and they range from not just the you know Japanese uh, Suzuki of the world, which have been there in India for 25 years, but also companies coming in from U.S., which have actually set up 
a manufacturing base in down south and other parts of India. And 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 if you look at uh, you know the pharma, there's there, there's absolutely clear this thing. The, the two three large corporates which operate in the pharma actually are the companies from India. So they are actually running global pharma out of India. So there is enough capacity capability both in terms of R and D as well as understanding of the uh, sector that's available. So many many things you know uh, food processing because India is because of a large population and being a kind of a agree economy in, in a large sense, also have the capability to not just provide the, you know, the produce from the ground, but also being able to protect it and, and kind of export it to many markets. And then we've seen some very, very strong emerging trends. And then all those things are, are actually confirming what this guy is writing in the book, that there is all those ingredients available in the form of resources, government policies, you know, wage conditions, the capable workforce, training capabilities, and the relationships with the global market. So all of this put together and the effort from the government actually is a perfect recipe for us to believe that he's right. I think uh, that's a great summarization. And uh, you bring in a great point, uh, Avtar, that it is not that India is providing services. It's not that India is only developing digital economy. It is providing a huge consumer base for others to participate and do business in India because with the population itself, uh, it's, it's a major market for anybody. So thank you so much. Very interesting discussion. We will continue in our next session. Avtar, we'll take a short break and we'll be back. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Very interesting discussion with Mr. Avtar Monga. We are discussing the journey of India to become an economic superpower. We heard about the demographic dividend, uh, the flurry of activity happening in almost every sphere, the advantage of uh, railways, what's happening with the riverways, uh, what's happening with the infrastructure development. Um, Avtar, 
what do you think can India do to sustain its growth? Is it sustainable, the rate it is going today? I, I think, uh, so, so let's look at what's been happening in the recent time. Uh, while the global economies have been having, uh, I would say, a fair amount of uh, excitement, uh, India, on a relative basis, has been pretty robust. Uh, whether you look at uh, the the situations which we saw in the Western economies, and then we recently saw some, you know, kind of moving parts in the European economies. So, so it, both in terms of the uh, you know, the reserves which India has been, you know, building, uh, which today look almost up at $350 billion. Uh, the other thing you need to look at is the fact that there has been a pretty, uh, relatively speaking, stable currency, uh, even when uh, recent, uh, you know, changes which have taken place, there was a lot of question around, you know, is India rupee going to be stable? It has been actually strengthening a bit. So, so you know, I think... The indicator, if I was to look at, have been pretty stable. And in the last 10, 12 years, you've seen that uh, the economy has been, uh, you know, obviously getting the benefit of the oil prices, but at the same time also uh, being very, very stable. And, and with the uh, incremental efforts which have been taking place in the last few years, but particularly last two years under the new government, uh, have actually created probably room for the growth to actually increase. And, and, and that's what uh, I see as an expectation from my standpoint. And I do believe that, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been uh, pretty robust in terms of uh, holding the, what we created. But now we will see the traction starting to show up because, uh, you know, a lot of work which has been put in place is starting to show productivity gains and other things. And, and uh, I, I do believe that over the next few years, we can expect uh, a reasonable uh, GDP growth rate. And uh, I, I do expect that uh, while there will be fluctuation in some currencies and there will be some impact on rupee, but on an overall basis, I do believe that, uh, you know, we are in a good shape. So I, uh, that's what my uh, expectation is. And, and given what the government is trying uh, to drive and how effective they've been, both in terms of getting things done, making it easier to work and do business with India, and, and also making uh, a lot of uh, strategic policy changes. And, and, and if all goes well, uh, there are a couple of uh, significant changes which are lined up. And if they get delivered, even some of the simplification both in the taxation and other area will be seen by everybody who's operating. And, and don't forget, India has a large population of self-employed uh, people, and, and they, they are you know, mostly in the domestic and some small manufacturing areas. So the SME uh, segment, which is the last option of India, is, is going to be the beneficiary. So I think all of that is going to create an incremental push uh, in the manufacturing space and supported by making the initiative and the skill in other areas. It's going to be actually creating multiple uh, levers for us to see, and, and I do believe that uh, we are in the right uh, direction. Yeah, I think that's a very good explanation and a thought because, yeah, there is there is a lot of literature coming out about emerging markets and studies. And as they say, that emerging markets are slowing. The divergence is increasing. And so you can see bricks in it. But they still offer immense potential, you know. And each emerging market has gone different today. It's not similar. While China, if you look at, is going for a managed slowdown. But India's story is taken extremely positive on the back of reforms and the proactive business reforms from the government of India. So that's a brilliant news. That's a good news. I just wanted to uh, uh, take your opinion on everything is going positive. What can impede the growth? Is there anything which can slow it down? Is there anything you see? So I, I, I'm not an expert on the global economy, so I'll, I'll, I'll put my uh, personal view on this, which is that sure. we, 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 we do a lot of, uh, you know, so, so, so from my perspective, I see a lot of stuff suddenly pops up from somewhere. I mean, if you see the recent example of Brexit, you know, I, I don't know how many people expect it and how many people can really tell us what's going to be the real impact of this change. And right. is this the end or a beginning of another, you know, kind of a story? So these kind of external events and the uncertainties attached to 
some of the oil economies and other things are constant things people, I'm sure, across the world keep watching, and we are no different. So, 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 so for us, I think uh, the, the larger things are more external. I think we're pretty solid internal, and, and that's what is my view. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good point. So it looks like uh, with all the, the initiatives are taken by government of India, the reforms which are appreciated by everybody across the globe, and their efforts to become a part of the global society, become a better citizen, building relationships. The economy seems to be going in a good shape, but there could be some external factors. Uh, that not major ones to stop the juggernaut, looks like. Uh, before we close, Avtar, we are coming uh, close to our closing time. I wanted to share with our listeners a few unique data points. Uh, India is the world's second largest English-speaking country after United States of America. You know, India is a business hub, so Indians interact with many people from around the world. But English is the default language for teaching and learning as well as administration. Second, India's export of software is huge. They export to 90 countries with an approximate value almost touching $100 billion. The last one, which I find very fascinating, is the space where India is entering. So India's Mars orbiter mission, and they sent the vehicle up, it went into orbit around the red planet at a cost of $74 million, which actually costed less than the $100 million Hollywood black blockbuster Gravity, which starred Sandra Bullock. So there are a lot of good things happening in India in all spaces, digital manufacturing, make in India, digital India, clean India, and also <clears throat> the initiative by government to support. Great discussions today, Avtar. Looks like a lot of good stories would be coming out uh, from India. We thank you for such a fascinating discussion. Very impressive. You have a great day. Bye-bye. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management